Hello everybody and welcome back to Discerning Consciousness. Um, I'm your host Ant-Man and I'm delighted again to jo be joined by my co-host Heather Heaton. Hi. Who, who, as you're well aware now, is our resident shaman and shamanic practitioner stroke counsellor. A grand title as <laughs> always. <laughs> That's scary. Is it? <laughs> That's a bit scary. Yeah, we we yeah. might hold you to that at some point in the show with your insight hopefully. Well, we'll have to see what happens, won't we? <laughs> okay. We will indeed. I'm also delighted to welcome Mike back onto the show. Hi, everybody. Hi, it's great to have you um, back on board, Mike. Yeah, it's today's. great to be here. Thank you. And just so our listeners know um, that the um, last couple of shows that Mike and I did together uh, were back um, episode 22 called The Mystery of Life and episode 20 called The Simple Life. So please do check check those shows out. We had a lot of fun doing them and a lot of positive feedback. So I believe they were very popular. They were, yes. From what I remember you saying following doing those recordings. Yeah, and, and the yeah. issues um, that we spoke of uh, in those recordings we're going to touch upon today. So mm. today um, is episode number 34, and we're going to pose a question for today's episode of Discerning Consciousness, which is, are you content or happy in your life? So it's a very intriguing question we're putting out there for ourselves and most importantly of all, of course, our listeners. So the context of this question basically comes about in terms of a chap who goes by the name of the happiness guru, I believe. Heather. Yes, and I, that's a, I, I think I, I'm not sure if that's an official title yeah. or um, an adopted one or an adopted one by his uh, followers. Sure. Yeah. And this is a, a chap called... Um, Robert Holden. So I'll just pass pass over to you for now. Mm. Then I think um, there are a lot of people that have heard of Robert Holden because he's been writing his books and teaching sure. knowledge of how to understand what difficulties we have in our life, um, and what how to understand them, and how maybe to uh, find a way through. Mm. And as I always, my cliche is, come out the other side, mm. um, having learned about them. Um, so what is it, nine books? Yes, I believe about nine, ten, well, ten. ten so just to quickly run through them for our listeners mm. if they wanted, to, um, <coughs> wanted to check them out. So we've got Holy Shift, Shift Happens, Lovability, Life Loves You, Authentic Success, Be Happy, Balancing Work and Life, Stress Busters, Hello Happiness, Success Intelligence and Happiness Now. So I mean he's... Quite a prolific author. Could you just read slowly those first two yes. titles? I think, yes, they're the most interesting sounding, aren't they? I think both you guys would agree. Yeah. Holy shift <laughs> and shift happens. Yes, yes, so, yes. Love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. And just titles are They're your favourites. So, shift happens. Okay, and good. If people want to find out more about Robert Holden and his work after we've um, discussed or hopefully shared an insight towards it, in the next mm. hour or so. His website is quite simple, robertholden.org, so yeah. please do check that out. Um, we are going, hopefully, to ex go through between the three of us mm. uh, his recent talk that was l that was held local to us. So just so I listen to that, it's mm. Hampshire in the UK. Yes, Hampshire in the UK. It was held at, um, a, um, at a space in the local golf club right. house. Mm -hmm. Um, organised by a lady who organises a great deal of many events that are alternative, new age, holistic, called Jackie White. She's very well known in the locality for all the organisation. She's 
been very involved in the trainings that Robert Holden holds mm -hmm. to teach people and she's now also holding workshops herself of the Robert Holden teachings. And I believe she also runs a, a group called a Positive Living Group. Yeah, so she, she organises, um, you know, really quite impressive people, authors and teachers mm. and healers to come to the air, as well as has a weekly um, setting mm -hmm. locally where people can come and talk about their skills, what they do, how they do it, um, in front of a, an audience who listen and learn. Mm. Um, so, um, very popular lady. Um, now, she brought Ro Robert Holden locally again recently because two years ago... We both went on a talk. We both went on, on his talk then, didn't we? We, sure. we were very impressed, weren't sure. we? Before, we were um, a little bit sceptical, you know, someone who's written all these books about happiness, and as our listeners know well, and Mike does, we're quite cynical individuals. Well, all of us are, really. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, someone's yeah. just talking about happiness. <coughs> yeah. You know, we want, we want the, the real guts of spiritual teaching. The, the trouble is we can come across in the, in the um, alternative world, we can come across various um, impressions that tell us that just be happy and everything's fine. Sure. And this is a very cynical view, I have to say, but it sort of made us back off from anything that's sure. purporting to be, well, oh, just be happy and be so positive and everything's predisposed fine. predisposed to be cynical towards you know, we, we don't feel yeah. that that's realistic to life and it doesn't prepare people to handle yeah. difficulties, sure. in my experience anyway, um, or, or how to understand how to come through difficulties. I do feel that some people feel that if they're not just happy through their dramas, there's something wrong. Sure. Um, and of course, sometimes you have to completely experience the drama that you're, experience, that, that you're living through because it's part of the journey. But it's getting through, the passage through. I think if you're just smiling through it or you don't necessarily know the passage it's, through. It's a classic phrase, isn't it? The smiling depressive. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. anything, if you're experiencing happiness for a time of crisis... You're not, you're not really experiencing <laughs> that crisis. No, so. you're not experiencing and it. And if anything, no. you, you're just being superficial about everything um, because you're ignoring the, the depth, deepness and greatness that life can give or you. The teaching. Or, or trying, to, trying to ignore it sure. doesn't yeah. fix it, no. No. doesn't learn from it, and that's the point. And we thought Robert Holden maybe um wrote about how you just stay positive and smiling all the time we weren't sure so we went along to see him and he wasn't at all he, was he, he completely wowed us with his um explain knowledge. why what you well what you um he's he's a trained um is it psychologist I yes yeah he's a trained psychologist and his his understanding of um a lot of this knowledge of how to live a healthy successful life he was putting it in a way that although the language that he was using was quite simple, it was very profound. I don't know if you'd agree. Yeah, and I found found that again when um, uh, to explain to our listeners that this recent talk that he did local to here and was in another part of the country at that time. So I went on my own. Yeah. You'd have liked to have come, but I you wish. couldn't be yeah. there. Um, but again, it, it, uh, I've shared it with Ant since uh, he's returned from where he was. And um, again, it's the profoundness or the profundity mm. that he, he issues. 
and talking over, we thought maybe we'd share it with our listeners. So I'm sure. hoping that when we do go through it, we are representing Robert Holden sure. as accurate as he, we can. Forgive us, folks, if we don't manage to um, put across um, in an amazing way that he brings you to the point of realisation. Sure. Uh, when he talks, he's quite quite amazing. We'll do our best. And also, uh, another thing that we discussed uh, before the recording, uh, all three of us, was the way in which the teachings that he brings under the uh, umbrella of happiness uh, doves dovetails nicely or complements the teachings of the, the nine insights of the Celestine prophecy. I would like to challenge the listeners, when we go through this, yeah. to pick out in their own thinking which one of the insights sure, yeah. it starts to he starts to explain in, mm. in how we go albeit over it. in a different kind of language which might yeah. be more accessible for people. Yeah, well, yeah. To be honest, this is one of the biggest things I find within all these teachings mm. is it doesn't matter where the knowledge comes from or how it's worded. What matters is how you perceive that knowledge Absolutely. based on your mindset and the vocabulary that you've been brought up with. That's a great point. Yeah. And what's going on in your life at the time yeah. to, to make a difference. Definitely. And can I add here that uh, Mike hasn't been involved in Robert Holden's stuff, but he comes from a place of knowledge. Mm. And so when he comes forward with this, he's although we've been a bit involved in, in his teachings, uh, that is Anne to myself, mm. um, Mike's going to come from understanding a lot about this, but from not having gone through Robert Holden's and, stuff and before. As, so, as our listeners will be well aware from listening what, to what Mike and I have done in the past, Mike is well aware of or has a good understanding of spiritual principles, esoteric principles. Alternative so, yeah. stuff, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so hopefully we'll battle through this quite quite nicely. Sorry, did you want to make a point? No, I was just going to say, I'm almost uh, the outside perspective on this one right. because <laughs> I didn't go to the talk, but I wish I had by the looks of it. Yeah, yeah, I, don't, I think we'll, we'll try and encourage him to come this way again to have a talk when we can all go through go because I think it's worth it. Mm. Right. So we'll crack on now. Yeah, yeah, we'll crack on. Um, okay, so I'm going to start off. I was trying. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I'm, I can't quite remember what the title of this talk was, but I've got a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was called Destination Addiction. Right. Okay. But so this was, was the main thread through. That was the main thread through the whole talk, um, and um, even though I think all three of us understand a lot about these teachings. When he brought forward, like, we are all addicted to our destination. You basically mean, to put it very simply, we're, we're all of us as a culture in the Western world very, very poor at living in the now, aren't we? It's all about not being able to live in the now. Mm. And when he looks up and says, we're addicted to our destination, you, it gives you quite a shock. You go, mm, oh my yeah. God, we are. Actually, mm. we are, aren't we? And as we were talking yesterday, Heather, at, you know, for quite a number of people, they might live their whole lives in the future yeah. and never actually live a day, you know, well, actually in the present. past, but never in the now. Exactly, yeah. It says, we believe our life is somewhere else. Mm. We're always chasing the goal or the mm. dream or the ideal. So these are his actual and he words says, that well, he picked up We on. never get there. Yeah, yeah. We never, never get there because very often when you get there, it doesn't match up no. entirely. You know, there are things about it that aren't working that well. So, again, you're chasing the next sure. part of it all yeah. the time. Um, and that's why he calls it 
destination um addiction. destination addiction mm. um, and we have a destination addiction and we are addicted as a western westerners we're addicted to mm. our destination and not the now mm. yeah. you were going to say i was going to say with that it well for me at least i find that if you're going for a certain place like where you want to go like you said the destination addiction then do you mean like a specific goal? In yeah, yeah, you're essentially um, ignoring the journey and paying that actually getting there is being more important than the journey to get there. Mm. And in that case, um, it's like the whole idea of being um, what was the phrase you used earlier? Contentment. Mm. Uh, the idea, contentment yeah, issue, yeah, the whole idea of contentment is that you should never really truly feel content because at the end of the day, that's almost like right, I've done everything I need to do, time to die, sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I know you mean. I mean, ideally in our lives, we should never get that no, contentment no. because we've always we've completed at that point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but at some point, you need to be at peace. Mm. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm just concerned that listeners might say, "Well, look, you know, hang on a minute. If you're not content, you're stressed, mm. you're anxious, you're worried, mm. you're bothered." And that's not quite what you're saying, is it? Well, what I mean by that is contentment is that thing of like, right, right now, right here, right this second. I've got everything I need. Everything's perfect. Everything's fine. I don't need to push forward, strive further to get anywhere else. And it's almost one of those things that it shoots yourself in the foot because people who are content never strive forward to get better. Isn't that giving up? Almost, in that yeah, sense. giving up. Like, I've arrived. I don't need to move any further. That's mm. it. Staying right here. But does mm. anybody actually get there, like, get to that place in our Western world, and our culture? Well, not really these days, but the whole idea is that's the goal that we're meant to be chasing. Mm. Yes, yes. Mm. And so what you're saying is, if we're chasing this goal where everything's ideal when we get there, even if that was possible and we get there, we'd be giving up. Yeah. Um, there'd be no, there'd be no spark. There'd, there'd it's be almost no, like yeah, everything becomes be no rigid. There's no fluidity, and as we know, lose enthusiasm. Yeah, one of the laws mm. of the universe: everything's in a state of flux constantly. So yeah, mm. yeah so, it does equate to death in a way. Just like yeah, I but what you mean. more on a mental death yeah, than a yeah. spiritual one in that sense. Just to throw in a, a quote, a famous quote by John Lennon, which I think relates to this, is I think he famously said that life is what happens when we're making other plans. And I think that. I think, you know, that yeah. perfectly sums this, this yeah. process up. I, it's coming back to, and I remember being talked many years ago, <laughs> I, 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 I pull the, I'm the old person. I'm getting um, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the more years you've got behind you, the more you're saying, I remember when, well, <clears throat> in yoga many years ago, um, we were taught, uh, that came from the Asian direction, mm-hmm. that it isn't getting, it's not the place you're getting to, it's the journey where it all happens, which yeah. is what you were saying. Yeah, I was saying earlier. It's the journey where it all happens. That's where life really happens. That's the juice of life. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, um, I'm going to say, um, there was two things. I was going to say what, what Robert was saying, that when we're always living in a... Our mind, so, yeah, in mind the destination, idea. the ideal that we're chasing all the time. He said, we're fast forwarding. Mm. Therefore, life has sped up. Mm. And you know everybody's saying, isn't every day and every week getting faster? Sure. And well, of course, what he really explains in that, which really struck me, was, well, of course, if you're in, if everybody in the Western world, we're all living in this ideal further up the road there, 
then we're not registering much of the now. Mm. Therefore, life feels like it's going faster. So we've collectively created a concept sure. that, that life is speeding up. Mm. So we've essentially but it's got, our concept. So we've got a life on fast forward, essentially. Fast forward, he calls it. We're living on fast forward. Mm. And when you, when you think forward. of the... Instead the, of being in the, the now. popularity of um, smartphones and how easy it is to distract ourselves by you know scrolling through Facebook or whatever it might be online, it's so easy not it's so easy to distract yourself and not be in the now. Whereas the difference mm. between that and say reading a book, you have to be really in the moment because you've got to concentrate. You've got to read those words, haven't you? Reading well, reading books slows you down. Yeah, it, it does may slow, slow you down. down, but if anything, it's almost another form of escapism because instead of being in the some world sense, that you are, you're trying to create a different one in which your head. Tends from the to page. be, yeah, if it's a so fantasy. I, I, or I think like reading books slows you down, but it's like you say. I, I agree with you. How probably. present are you in that moment? It's debatable. But, but you're, you're not experiencing no. your consciousness no. in the moment. No. So you mean like your temperature of your body, yeah. your breathing, the shot on your back. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is very Buddhist and it's Zen Buddhist and sure. it, it gives you that, doesn't it? A sure. great deal. Yeah. And just to throw in there, you talk about Buddhism. We have plans just to let our listeners know, as they know, we, we've been serialising the teachings of the Celestian Prophecy. In future, we do have plans to um, touch upon Buddhist teaching. Uh, so we're going to cover the four, the four Noble Truths and the Buddhist Eightfold Path. So that's just something to throw in there of interest in the future for our listeners. Have us pulling a face at me thinking. No, I'm, I'm, I'm actually don't don't have a listen. But I'm just trying to look at the next bit we've got to talk about. Um, yeah, I'm trying to be efficient. It takes hard. It's hard work on my part. Okay. Um, no, not at all. To yeah. Totally. That's yeah. I know what you mean about. No, I'm gonna. I'm looking forward for us yeah, to talk over the Buddhism yeah. Yeah, yeah. teachings. Because although I've gone over it very lightly, mm. uh, reading books, I've actually not um, indulged in uh, the teachings, which I feel is quite a loss because I think it's an important system yeah, yeah. To, um, ex to experience within mm. yourself. Um, mm. Yeah, I think it's very good. So looking forward to that because you're going to evenings, aren't you? Yeah, Buddhism I'm currently um, living in Bristol and um, part of a Buddhist group there, which is very Well, it's quite interesting to note, really, the similarities between what Robert's trying to do here and everything that Buddhism is about, because it's essentially about where does the seat of all of our unhappiness come from? Yes, yes, and exactly. why all our suffering comes from, yeah. physical or mental, yeah. and the, the Eightfold Path is all about how you solve that. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Very wise observation. And, and if you if you go through the, the the nine the nine insights of the Celestine, you see it there again. Mm. And it's like we it's keep the same saying, knowledge, just put in a different way. Yeah. There are so many systems, and some ma the major systems, and particularly the ancient systems, the yeah. major systems, the ancient systems, all have the knowledge on, mm. and you can leapfrog from one to another and begin to absorb it. But you have to absorb it. It's almost like a throw golden... All, throw it all away. Yeah, and... thank you. There's al <laughs> almost like a golden thread that runs through it. Yeah. Yeah, it? yes. And of course, horses for courses. What really somebody, one person really, uh, really attaches themselves to because it makes sense to them, doesn't somebody else. Sure. Yeah. But as I say, you know, uh, for others, then you can take on several of them mm. because that's who you are at that time. So it's this... It's all there. The knowledge is all there for us, folks. Mm. It's all mm. there, isn't it? Okay. Um, 
the pursuit of happiness, um, Robert says, has sped up, which I thought again was a, a, a real, you know, wow moment. Yeah. The pursuit of happiness has sped up in the Western world. So that means, agree? yeah, it means picking apart a bit though, doesn't it? Well, yeah, but it, it, what we are doing, we are so looking for that we're actually doing it um, really fantastically fast now and powerfully now. It's like everybody's saying, um, but I like don't like my life. My life, I'm not happy in my life. I need to find, I need to find, I need to find. So we're, we're doing it through jobs. We're doing it through the house or the property that we live in. Mm. We're doing it through um, the luxuries we can buy in. Sure, we're, sure. We're, Although we're, I would say... We're trying so hard to get to that point of happiness. Whose phone was that? That's Mike. <laughs> That's Mike's phone. The, the pursuit, we, we, send, so we, we have a concept, I believe, that we are owed, mm. we are due this state of life that makes us feel that we've succeeded, mm. that we're flourishing, that we're empowered. Mm. And there's so much coming into our culture from the media, from industry, mm -hmm. from politics, that is all about we need to get to that state of happiness. Mm. Um, otherwise, we feel like we're failing. They're mm. missing out on something. Uh, and I, I just, think that's what that means. Can I just the pursuit add, though, of happiness. I think that that... that um perspective or that idea of the speeding up of the pursuit of happiness is that what he spoke about yeah it's just as um prevalent in the whole alternative spiritual community where it's seven steps to happiness you know just come to a few meditations and activate your higher chakras or this particular healing modality will manifest your dreams manifest your dreams or go on this workshop and you know after that you'll meet your spiritual twin flame so i would say it's just a mirror in a lot of the spiritual new age. What do you think about that, Mike? Um, I'm like liking the, the phrasing of the pursuit of happiness because at the end of the day, it has been built into the wordings the idea that there's got to be a journey to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if anything, if you don't actually go through the journey and learn the lessons that you need to, how are you going to realise what can make you happy? Sure, sure. Because everyone has that mindset, right, this, only this is going sure. to make me happy. Yeah. And it has to be this in this exact way. Yeah. yeah? Anything else is not going to do the job. But in actual going through that journey to achieve that, you might find that actually what I was thinking isn't right. I might want to change that slightly. Sure. Yeah. Or do you know what? Like you said with that John Lennon quote, when you're busy making plans, life's happening around you. Sure. But you ignoring life sure. will make you unhappy i mean just sense. to add to what you've said mike really interesting i think a lot of people want to avoid and we've been speaking about this recently heather and i um a lot of people kind of even subconsciously know that journey involves a lot of pain right yes. the journey to selfhood and understanding and they um you know a lot of these um more dubious shall we say um healing modalities and different uh, things that are offered from gurus and all the rest of it in the spiritual new age community they're offering this process whereby you don't have to go through the proverbial fire. You don't have to go through, you know, um, the initiatic. Because that's what it's like, isn't it? You completely lose your concept of yourself to find out who you are. And it's very painful. It might involve a, a breakdown of your, you know, your existence. Well, the reason being is because we spend so long living a lie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in actual fact, the, the very thing that means going through that fire is realizing those lies mm. so you can actually get rid of them mm. well i would say because some people i think would would feel that well i'm not living a lie 
So I, I think I would say that <clears throat> some people are living in this conception yeah. of who and what they are. It's less judgmental. So, yeah, yeah uh, I mean, I, I have discovered going through the shamanic processing and um, counselling processing over the years that I've been quite shocked at what I believed of who I was, what I expressed, where I was trying to head for, mm. what I thought was good, what I thought wasn't good. I've actually been shocked. And yes, I would then own, I wouldn't like to place this upon anybody else, but I would like to own that I realised I was lying to myself. So mm. I agree with you there. Yeah. But I do, but I just want to stick up for uh, the listeners who might be saying, oh, I don't know what you're talking about because I don't lie to myself. Because we actually don't know when we do and we don't. But mostly it's misconceptions. Mm. That's what it is. But actually, when you strip it all away, actually, well, actually I'm, I'm, I've been lying and to myself. And the hardest thing often Hold is... Your hand up. In, in certainly in Western society, very few of us actually have someone in our life who we trust enough who can point out that, do you realise, you know, in these parts of your life, you know, you are actually living a misconception about yourself. And a lot because of a lot of our friendships, I would argue, are quite superficial. It's difficult for people to come to that understanding. And we're locked in this sort of silo of self-identification, as I call it, it's really hard, isn't it? Yeah. I'm gonna actually. I'm just gonna be devil's advocate here, um, for the sake of the listeners, and say mm. that in the alternative world, I know that that you have seen that there is some superficiality that goes on in mm. in the, and what have you. But I also want to say that there is. This is where this is where people go looking for answers, and there are answers in mm. the alternative oh, world. Oh yeah, there's it's, just as many. I, I, yeah, um, um, so I would say a lot of listeners who maybe are listening in bold in, in the alternative world might not say that it is all you know. Superficial. No, no, I don't think we were saying it's all. I mean, they're, no, they're there's all, a lot of good stuff. There's but, a certain but this is, of pink and fluffiness that goes on. Uh, sure. Yeah, and of course that's what I think you're referring to. But mm. there's an, a tremendous amount as well, obviously, of of very, very good. I mean, this is where. The alternative is where the Buddhism is, it's mm. where the shamanic is, it's where the Taoism is, it's mm -hmm. where the where they are. It, that's all. But that's where the people go. That's where the uh, the 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 road to finding answers is into this new age, the alternative, mm. the uh, the esoteric, mm. because. As you can see from what we're talking about, you know, with the Celestine, etc., that's where answers can be found. Yes. Absolutely. So, you know, yeah, they, uh, other, well, other than the, the New Age and the alternative and the esoteric, I don't know where else well, you can get these answers, yeah, to be honest. I mean, I think that's where they lie mostly, collectively, shall I say. Or you can go down the, you know, the philosophical route and look at the great philosophers and their teachings. That's yeah, another. Because in a way, they mostly rehash essentially what the older teaching says, mm. just in a different phrasing set. Mm. Yeah, but this is where these ancient teachings have come from. Mm. It's very often, isn't it? Is the ancient yeah. the ancient teachers? Yeah. So I wonder if we can just bring it back to yeah um, the talk and um, yeah. Um, right. Um, he says um, if we're oh, uh, um, right, living living in the not now is the problem. Living in the not now, but mm. I think it's what you two boys have said. Um, you've said that you know if you're not actually experiencing the journey, mm. you're not in the now. Yeah. If you're not experiencing the journey, you're not walking to a place where you find what brings a type of happiness, mm. a type of happiness or contentment. Yeah. Is it there? There can be contentment. Or, uh, it can be 
if you know, if you think about it, it's like understanding, isn't it? Mm. It's getting to a place of understanding. Yeah, and the difference don't you between think? knowing and understanding, sort of thing. Yeah. But one thing I would say about the whole now aspect mm. is, imagine like um, you are making a journey. Yeah. yeah. And you're planning. You're planning a journey. Mm. First thing you need to know is where are you? Yeah. yeah? Because if you Before don't know you start, you need to know. Yes. Yeah, simple and yet profound. Because if you don't know where you are. Yeah. How can you get to where you want to get to go? Next one is, number two is, where you're aiming for. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But I say aiming for rather than knowing the destination. Sure. Well, it's a general gist of, right, I'm aiming in that direction sort of thing. Let's see how far I can go there. Yeah. Um, just to see yeah, what happens. Because when you're aiming in that direction, you can have a destination idea but, you know, you pointed it out quite vividly, I think, just a while back there. You said that you don't know which way you're going to turn. I can't remember your words. I'm sorry. But you, Mike, but you said that, you know, it can change on the way. Yeah. So, but you have to know what direction you're going. So, number one, where am oh, I? Yeah. And the problem that makes that so difficult is, like you said, we're not living in the now. No. And that's compounded by the fact that we live in misconceptions about ourselves and we don't know ourselves truly enough, that we confuse where we think we are. And then by the time we actually start trying to go where we're aiming for, we end up going in the wrong entire direction. Mm. Yes. True. Yeah, we can do. But well, we might be, uh, because we um, obviously we have misconceptions about ourselves, then others misperceive us, and yet we might, you know, seek counsel and friendship from people, and their advice is not going to be particularly profound, so we get sent <laughs> off in the wrong direction. So yes, yeah. yes. But um, I just wanted to point out because I get lots of people saying, "Well, look, if you're not if you're not really putting positive planning." Mm to your destination yeah um then you'll never get there type of thing isn't that being a bit irresponsible that that's what i get people and i said well once you've actually have a blueprint of plan type of idea of of what direction you're going in so where it is you might be going then you then can plot backwards each stage that's going to take you to get there yeah. so you have a like a blueprint plan sure. of that yeah. then you come back to the now you you sit in the now and you go okay what do i do now mm. and then it's like you said is so you go over the first stage of what you what you what you have to do now about that direction mm. but it's interesting that halfway along you often find you're actually well, aiming and bothered you have to constantly because it's a better well, direction the, way for the you. dynamic is you have to hold to the goal whilst you're progressing on the journey but be flexible enough to realize that at certain points you might have to change Really well, yeah, because it might be, you might find out halfway through that actually, do you know what? That's not where I really, really want need to be. Mm. I need to be over there. It's misconceptions of what we think will make us happy. Sure, yeah. yeah. There you go. Sure. That's, that's, and that's what that's we often what... start with, don't we, Mark? Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be honest, all we've got yeah. is misconceptions. Yeah. Because we hear the words, but we don't really truly know what those words mean. No. Um, because we've just been brought up in a superficial society that doesn't really focus on true meaning. Well, he says here that most of us, in the Western world particularly, mm. are living in the not now, mm. which yeah. I thought was a profound mm. statement. Mm. Living in the not now. Oh my goodness, I think yeah. that's what I do. Because everyone's either so focused on where they're heading or so focused on where they've been mm. that they never yeah. pay attention mm. to where they are. Yeah, and he says that um, our now is not as exciting 
as what our well, that's ideal what, is that's that we, we're aiming for. That's why for. we cleave towards the future all the time, yeah. Because it's we, we perceive it as not being as sure. exciting as our idea because the trouble is the aim that we've got that destination up there that seems so enticing and so fantastic. It's not real, it's a fantasy. For a start, it's a fantasy. Secondly, I do know from people's stories that when they get there, they find it's not there. No. It's not what they thought it was going to no. be. So it does turn out to be that, a total fantasy. Although it doesn't fantasy. meet expectations. It doesn't meet expectations. Although I would add, of course, um, a lot of the time, although something that we're striving for is a fantasy... I mean, the positive side of that is it gives us motivation, motivation to move forward, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, we've always got to have something to aim for, in mm. that sense. Cause otherwise, otherwise we just drift. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. It says, but until we stop, we don't know what it is that we're doing. Mm. Um, so he, he, he has to just stop, just stop, stop being the now, stop. Oh. But he, he also teaches that um, we are psychologically absent psychologically absent from now mm. and if we don't be in the now we're losing our greatest opportunity mm. because if we've got our wishful thinking going up there all the time we're not making the best of now therefore and that's where our opportunities I mean, are this of course all relates to the work of Urquhart Tolle and his book the power of now the power of now yes um, which is yeah he said but you have to stop to be in the now because yeah. until you stop, you don't recognise what now is. Because okay. we're so programmed, like you said, Mike, too, for, for ha aiming towards this ideal or this expectation or this dream, mm. this plan of the future, um, that we don't even have a concept of stopping to be in the now. And the only way you can be in the now is just stop. Well, actually, I think in Western society, at least, that's one of the scariest things to anybody to experience. It is. Because, do you know what? You know, like you said earlier, Anthony, everyone's got their phones or on Facebook. Because sure. they've got to fill every single blank or silent second yeah. with something. Because, sure. do you know what? The worst thing for anyone to experience is nothingness. Is their own mind. Yes, the crazy monkey mind. Yeah. 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 So, so, we've got entire generations of children growing up now not wanting to know themselves. No. They don't even know that space. They don't know there's any such concept, mm. sadly, yeah. Mm. Heather, I wonder, mm. um, for our listeners, and myself, of course, and Mike, I wonder if you could, from a shamanic perspective, just share how, um, you know, as a, a shamanic practitioner, if someone came to you and they had this problem of, say, like a monkey mind and they couldn't still themselves and they couldn't bring themselves to just stop, what would you do, you know, as a practitioner? How, what sort of techniques? Give me a scenario. Um, interesting question. Yeah, this, right. you need a scenario to work on, otherwise it's iffy and... prosaic. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's a bit sort of shadowy otherwise. Yeah, okay, so it might be someone, shall we say, that has a lot of um, fear in their life, so they're constantly projecting into the future, because as we know, the acronym of fear is future events appearing real, I believe. Yeah. So it might be someone that just has, you know, is so wrapped by... It would probably be someone that has a lot of anxiety in their Give life. Give me a scenario. A scenario. Yeah. Okay. So it might be someone... It's too academic to, to talk in, you in, in that, that way. You always <laughs> Give me a scenario because then it's explainable. Okay. So it might be someone... Imagine a scenario. So let's imagine that it could be someone who is in a relationship mm. and they have fears that their partner is um, having, say, maybe like an online affair with someone 
at the very least, or they might be having a physical affair with someone. So they're full of all these kind of fears. They're constantly trying to check their partner's phone for their internet activity. So they might just literally, their their whole kind of day-to-day life in their headspace, they are fixated on this idea, oh my God, my partner is cheating on me. They don't have any physical evidence as such. They just have a hunch because maybe their partner is spending all this time on their phone and they don't know if they're on a dating site or chat room or whatever it might be okay number one our western world culture is monogamy yes so we have these relationships where we believe that that person should be completely devoted to me yeah okay we have this sort of um and we um we feel threatened if that person isn't devoted to me Mm. and that's frightening Mm. You will find there are other cultures that don't have that fear. No. So it isn't necessarily an, uh, an absolute need for human beings to be threatened by uh, a partner <clears throat> not, um, not being totally devoted to themselves. Mm. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. But our culture tells us there's something wrong in that. We sure. do have that in a culture. I have to say also, though, but in... In a lot of the animal mammal world, mm. which we are one, we are a mammal of the animal world, there is um, a sort of um, devotion mm. uh, to a primary person. There is mm. like a devotion. But even in the animal world, there, is, there will be um, like harems, <laughs> shall we say. <laughs> so you'll get an alpha, to... alpha male and a sure. harem. Yeah. Um, and that's quite natural. But um, I think there's, there's something very primal about that. Mm. But you will find, as I said, in other cultures throughout the world and the ancient world, you will find where that isn't an issue. Mm. So we're under threat because we have an expectation that that person devotes themselves to us. What we're doing, I would say to the to the person that's concerned, is um, is what ask them to to examine what they're afraid of losing. Mm. So if I say to you and you think of something hypothetically, I know this is not happening to you at all because I know about I your life. It so it's very hypothetical. <laughs> but um, and I would say if um, um, so um, you're afraid of what happening to you. Right, okay. So, so that's me putting in front of the person that has the anxiety yeah. to get them to answer for themselves, to pull out of their emotions and their mind, mm. to look in front of them. Okay, what is it I'm afraid of? Mm. What am I afraid of? Mm. So if I put that to you in that scenario... If you can think it, what what would you what is it you're afraid of? The principal fear would probably be a sense in which I would feel um, unloved or unlovable, or it might be. Um, so it's lack of self-esteem on your part, lack, yes. lack, lack of self-empowerment on yeah, your part yeah. is the problem. So you've not come to a balance of your own self, self-love. of your own self-worth mm. for yourself. Mm. Um, that when you are secure within yourself and your belief in yourself and your, shall I say, your godlike being, mm. that I believe all human beings are, mm. um, they're, they're all a part of the omnipresent, the God, the goddess, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, when you are know that you're a vital part of that, then you feel 
uh, more content, happy, and you don't feel so threatened. Mm. So, what what would be your concern if you if I said to you um, that if you could come to terms with how okay you are within yourself with or without yeah. that partnership, what would you be your anxiety that you would put to me about your scenario then? What sort of argument would you give me on having, that? Having digested what you said about the fact that we're all, we all have the Godhead within us. Is that what you mean? No, I tell you what, because I know what happens. I know what happens in this situation. I would will be said, but I can't trust that if he if he or she is is cheating on me, mm. that that person's made a commitment to to this relationship with me. So uh, they are breaking a trust, and that is a huge issue mm. in this type of problem. Mm. Breaking a trust is very, very painful. Mm. When you put full trust into somebody that what they have committed to mm. with you, they will keep. And then this particular um, person would suddenly feel that they were being lied to. Betrayed. They were yeah. being betrayed. They were being belittled, therefore. Mm. Mm. Their trust issue would be belittled. So what would you want to do with that, if that were you, hypothetically speaking? What do you mean by what would I want what to do? What would you want to do about that? If you put yourself in that situation for a minute with well, imagination... Well, I would, I would want to learn, if possible, how to feel empowered uh, within myself and yeah. in future relationships not to necessarily crave that love from another person and can i just interject an idea here please one thing that i've heard quite a lot about is the whole idea that you've got to learn to love yourself before you can really be truly happy in a relationship because up to the point that you truly love yourself not in a sort of like narcissistic way no um and at the end of the day, all you're doing is saying that I love how I feel when I'm around a particular person. Sure. Um, and so you kind of like project onto them all the power that is that idea that you can sure. actually love yourself. And that just sets up, you know, codependent types of relationships. It, 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 it does, It yeah. is looking, yeah. Um, what I would say is that if this person has an anxiety that their partner might mm. be doing other than they've committed to do, mm -hmm. um, they've committed to do, then um, it would be a good idea if once they've become feeling more empowered and balanced within themselves about how they feel about themselves, then to speak to the partner. True. To begin, open up a dialogue, open mm. up counselling of that partner. Mm. And so it's... <laughs> It's about discussing it with your partner. Right. So having an open, honest... What you were saying is, I have a suspicion that... Mm. And I've started to check things. Mm. But actually, it's better to have a dialogue. Mm. Okay? So what is the problem of starting a dialogue? What, would, what problem would come next, do you think? Well, two things. Firstly, just before dialogue happens, <laughs> if you were to say that scenario yourself... Um, in itself, I would say that the very fact that you've got a fear and anxiety that someone's doing something and you're starting to double check or you start to withdraw slightly because you're nervous, you're not sure of the situation anymore. And that very withdrawal, in a self-fulfilling prophecy sort of way, will actually lead a partner to more likely cheat on you or leave sure, you. Because they'll, they'll begin to notice you're withdrawing your energy. So they'll, so they'll withdraw. withdraw, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
but the very fact of someone who's got um, deep-seated anxiety issues or depression will actually not want to get into that dialogue because no, they're nervous, scary. they're scary. To be honest, they're most... They're nervous of what? Scared of what? The truth. Yes. Mm. Because if anything, like I was saying earlier, everyone's too busy living that yeah. lie that yeah. the truth is the scariest thing to them. But what would the truth them? do that would be what the, that that person would want to actually stay away from? What truth is it they don't want to happen? Well, they don't want to hear that they've been cheated on. Or they don't want to hear that, yes, that's happening. Yeah. Or, yeah. worse, I find, is when you hear someone actually say, oh, everything's fine, don't worry about it, but you can tell they're lying at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Because, if anything, we're so used to kind of like comfort situations that, okay, I'm used to this, I know this, everything's mm. cool, everything's okay. As soon as you hear the bad news, it's like, well, now I've got to, I've got to either break up this situation, you know, mm. not stay with them, or you've got to try and make things work and make things come back together. Mm. Either which requires effort, which most of the time people don't want to put in. Well, if you if you face up to your partner and say, look, we need to talk because I've got this anxiety that you um, may be um, having an affair or being involved in something, uh, 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 you know, another person. Mm. Um, um, I really want you to tell me the truth and tell me if this is happening. Mm. Um, the thing is, you've got to face, if your partner looks up and says, uh, actually, yes, that is happening. What are you going to do? Mm. That's awful. Mm. What are you going to do? Mm. You've got. What are you going to do with that bit of information? Lose your temper, be angry, rage, uh, divorce, uh, separate, um, mm. get violent. What you know? You you, you are you going to do? The the fear is you're going to go. Oh, okay then. Brilliant. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Want yeah. a cup of tea? Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do with that information? And mm. that's horrific. Mm. So it's actually thinking that through to mm. begin with is quite important. If your partner says, don't be foolish, don't be silly, nothing's wrong, what are you doing that for? And you're thinking, that person's lying. Mm. That person, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? Mm. What happens next? Mm. And that is very, very, very fearful to mm. approach because it takes you to a dead end and it leaves you with all of this increased anger or frustration mm. and you don't know what to do with it and i agree with what mike was saying in our society often it's about tidying situations up where people feel that they can't actually say what they really want it's the phrase of mealy mouth words so people will you know say something but they're not really speaking their truth and it's almost like within our society again as mike's saying People, there isn't that framework almost. Truth is not accepted. If it's anything, isn't Western it? society is almost like TV world where it's like, oh, we can't say that. We can't say yeah. that. You know, we've got to sanitize it. People, yeah. mm. Well, uh, I would discuss. Uh, I would discuss the possibilities. I think with a client, uh, mm. such a client, and I would say to that client, um, what do you want? from this relationship mm. what are you looking for from this relationship because number one he might look up and say or she might come look up and say actually i'm having an affair what are you going to do about that mm. they might look up and say don't be silly mm. and you still don't know mm. what are you going to do the best thing to do is to open up the dialogue mm. 
I believe anyway, open up the dialogue with your partner, fully accept that you might not get a satisfactory response that you're looking for, mm. but you at the same time need to ask yourself, do I want to continue to be with this person? Mm. Do I want that more than not be with this person? Do I want to live alongside this person in this state of anger, distrust? What do I, have, what do I want to do with that? So the option is, can I live alongside this person mm. and be quite content with how it's been with us so far and it's mm. been okay? I don't know that other space. I don't know. That, that, that person telling me I'm being silly, that person I'm not sure is telling me the truth, or now that person telling me, yes, they are having an affair. Um, what do I want to do with that? Do I want to continue with this person? Mm. Do I want to live in this accommodation with this person in very uncomfortable circumstances from now on for how long? Mm. For years and years and years? Or do I want to separate from this person? So it's actually thinking that through to begin with mm. and opening up a dialogue and then deciding what do I want? Now, for a lot of people, I think that it's quite important for them to say, no, actually, I like what I've got here. It's been good up to now. I'm going to continue with this. Ask the partner, do they want to continue with you? Mm. But if you if the per, if the client decides that they want to stay on in this relationship, perhaps their partner's denying any involvement, then it's important then to start thinking about not you are taking your love away from me. It's important for me to give love. Mm. Um, and I say love, but to give all the warmth. Well, actually, a very interesting point you bring up there is the whole idea that Western society, we're blaming it so much, is dedicated on the fact that we must receive love. Mm. But we must actual, take it. We, yeah. Yes. But in actual fact, we, we, must, it. we must give love and affection first before... Mm. And continually. Yeah. Mm. Not easy thing to do. No. Especially from our Western perspective mm. and Western world and some, you know, I do think that there is a lot in our culture about I'm looking for love and it must come to me. And this is something that Robin, uh, Robert Holden does bring up. I'm just trying quickly looking through my notes to try and looking for love. Mm. Um, it's wanting love from somebody else, which is taking. Mm. Um, and a lot of people are looking for love for their happiness but what they're saying is, I'm waiting, I'm trying to find somebody who's going to give to me. So I feel a sense of lack, so I'm waiting for that person to fill me up. Then I will be happy. Then I will be happy. Yeah. I will be in love when somebody <laughs> actually gives me love. Mm. Um, and of course, the, the, the teaching is that you don't go looking for love. You go giving love. Mm. And I have a phrase, don't I? Yes. And that Please you're always giggling over. Please share is it okay if I share? I allow it. It sounds risky. It sounds rude. I don't mean it like that at all. You What's giggle, but I'm... Only you could think of it like that. <laughs> Go on. I call it, when you are looking for love and wanting to be loved, you are walking about in the sucking motion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you are issuing caring love energy good feelings for people you are blowing sure. so it's sucking or blowing so it's the art of sucking and blowing the art of <laughs> sucking or blowing and i'm so sorry listeners yeah, true, it's then. so simple and mm. it's so basic mm. it then this is what it's all about are you sucking or i mean if you think about it also, in a physical sense 
when you're sucking up, it's almost like a tightness yeah. and shortness of Drawing breath. Drawing in, you, you describe that, yeah. don't you, Mike? Like, I need that love from that person. It's this anxiety. and But when you're just chilled and you're breathing out, you're like, it's just this yeah. serenity. And, and you know when you go into a space, mm. you go into a space, you know by the company you keep it if somebody is blowing out mm. good goodwill. Mm. Call it goodwill. I mean, we call it love. But I think if we say enthusiasm, a welcoming you, you know, sure. good feelings, that's the blowing, that's, that's, that's drawing up into... And, and do you remember in the Celestine Prophecies, it tells you how to draw to that in from nature, draw yeah. it in from the hierarchy, sure. spiritual world, whether you're, whether you're in a religion or whether you're in alternative or what you're in, but to he draw also, it and, and fill yourself up with it and then share it. Mm. And he also that's spoke blowing. about how to do that, to engage in positive discussions with people, you know, rather than it, than it resulting down people. to point scoring, you know, like normal political banter. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's lifting other people. So whoever's mm. talking at the time, give your well-being, mm. your enthusiasm to them so it lifts them because it brings out the best in them mm. and it's very helpful to to each person in the group I mean, and they lift each me, other. For me, the difference between sucking and blowing, forgive me, is, you know, um, sucking is coming from scarcity whereas blowing yes. is coming from like a ben benevolent um, yeah. you know giving Not, abundance no lack of yeah there's no lack Where you're kind of charging yeah. yourself up yeah. and just yeah giving. and of course if you're not used to doing that it's a real shock to yourself and a realization that you're not feeling yourself up with this abundant feeling mm. this feeling of um this feeling of um and I think you spoke about it as well just now, was was um, actually, if I'm okay with myself, then it's okay. Yeah. I need to be okay with myself. So you fill yourself up with okay. And do you know what? We so often don't do it. Well, we often, that's a good point that you make. We often walk around with this notion of, you know, we're not okay. Yeah. Therefore, by default, everyone else is not okay. Sounds very simple. And then that's why a lot of, certainly in Britain as well, we're known for being quite, you know, sarcastic, a bit miserable. We then share it with others, our the misery, don't we? Brits, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> you know, whether it's, you know, moaning yeah. about the boss at yeah. the photocopier or whatever, moaning yeah. about our friends and family. Or the weather, come or on. The weather. Oh, wait, that one. is a classic example. Oh, come of, on, we can of... moan about the weather. We've yeah. got good reason. <laughs> well, that's a classic example of sucking, isn't it? Where you're not, you're not giving, yeah. you're just taking. Yeah, yeah, and it is about afraid of being without and going without yes. that makes us try to draw from things around us. Mm. And I think, you know, if um, that does trigger off competition, and competition is um, to compete against. Which is again in the Celestine about competing for energies between. And it's competing things. against, yeah. competing for energies, and that's what we're doing. We're right. actually competing for energies. Um. Like we keep on moaning about the Western world, it is a dog-eat-dog -dog world out there in that sense. And that's why everyone yeah, thinks that we're competing against each other. Yeah. We find those small little friend groups that are like, right, now I can give to you because sure. you're in my select friends group. Sure. Yeah. You know, and that's why you always have great banter, chats with your friends, because you do feed each other energy. Sure. Yeah. But as soon as you go into an environment where you don't know anyone, you're by yourself, then you're automatically, without well, even knowing you close it, in, don't close you? into the sucking motion. Yeah. So you're like, oh, yeah. I, I yeah. don't know here. Yeah. Sure. Yes. And so, but it's very hard to, to train. But um, I, what I was going to say was that mm. if you are, if you are uh, developing this uh, 
feeling of energy and this feeling of well-being mm. and you're filling up with it and expanding on it you do expand you get bigger and people even see you visually as sort of taller or mm. taller or, or more gracious yeah, to, to more be honest radiant. more radiant yeah, they mm. do it does happen mm. but you can't do that you can't do that within yourself unless you're in the now okay now interesting um, that we're talking about filling up with well-being and feeling good. And um, I don't need to mean to just put a superficial title of happiness upon that. No. Because that can be quite superficial. Yeah. What I liked about what Robert brought attention to was um, about a joy. Mm. The, uh, he, he, he sees it as a joyfulness, an absolute joyfulness. Is that something we can cultivate sort of all the time in ourselves? Is that what he's saying? Well, it, it would be like the Celestine prophecies tell you. Mm. It's practicing and training yourself to become it more and more and more. Mm. So it's an it's an it's an ongoing it's an ongoing thing. It's a thing that we do slip off of it a lot. Yeah. You, you know, it happens. But that's part of the journey of exploring yourself. When you when you slip off, if you manage to drum up a whole load of joyfulness and, and you're sharing it with people, there will be times when you literally slip off of that one. Mm. But if you do, that's a moment when you get to know yourself a mm. little bit more. Mm. It, it's the journey yes, that we've been yeah. talking about. So it's quite important to know that you aren't going to the devil if you then cease to be joyful on some days because... You know, your car's tyre is punctured or, you know, a colleague has just said something really horrible to you. I don't mean to be superficial, but, you know, we all go through bad times. And yes, of course, we lose that. But that's where people around us, if they've, um, they can give us what we're lacking at that time yeah. we're not trying to suck it from them they're offering it willingly yeah. that's the point and it can lift us a bit when we're going through bad times but we can experience that un unpleasant that uncomfortable emotion so that we can get to know ourselves a bit more which is quite important so, Heather, we're coming up to the hour now i wonder if there's um, any more points you want to make Okay, just a little bit more, um, yeah. just to represent R Robert's talk as sure. well as I can. Yeah. Um, um, he says that happiness is not selfish. No. He says indulgence is selfish. So there's an important distinction. That is an important distinction. And the more you think about indulgence, the more you realise how indulgence... I mean, I gave, an ex I gave a, a, a description to to yourself I think mm. that said that you you know you can have an indulgent parent an indulgent parent can uh, be perceived as being um, a, a very loving parent mm -hmm. and a very spoiling parent but that parent is probably just very self-indulgent wanting for to their own gratification yeah I want everybody to see that my child is loved and got the best parent mm. so um you know, I know that there is a very good parent that is very giving to their kids, but I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there is a, 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 an indulgence that can actually look on the surface of it as a wonderful expression. Sure. But in fact, it's you can strip it all away and you can find underneath the, the root of that is actually just pure selfishness. Mm. So indulgence is selfishness. Happiness is not indulgence. Happiness, like we've just described, where you fill up with it, yeah. we fill up with this joyfulness, and then share it, share yeah. it around. Yeah. Don't don't restrict it. Um, uh, that's what he's talking about with happiness. So you're, you're saying then that people can 
be indulgent in their behaviours or activities in order to make themselves happy. And he's saying that that's kind of like a selfish process in the main. Well, that was my description, not his. I, yeah, ha- sure. I have to say it and say. But uh, that was me just... Um, when, when we're using in the, the word indulgence in a negative way, mm. um, we don't always recognise what that is. Mm. And I just wanted to point that out by giving mm. Um, mm. that type of description. So, yes, it, it, indul- but indulgence in any way is Another point selfish. to bring up, where you said that idea of being happy is not a bad thing. Um, I, I notice almost that there's a thing that goes on in the world where if, someone's unhappy then they have to have everyone else being unhappy around them and if one person is happy that unhappy person will actually get annoyed at them for being happy like yeah. you're not allowed to be yeah, happy. how dare you what, what what right have you got to be happy that kind of thing yeah like how do they actually think about it i mean i know that that's your that's your description but think of how a, a little scenario where that actually happens because people don't look up in in a group when somebody in comes in happy to a group that's unhappy mm. they don't look up and say you've no right to be happy <laughs> no. what do they actually say because give that give that visualization I would, say to, often, to our listeners. I would often say that that dynamic happens where people know one another and there's kind of underlying unresolved issues going on so they probably as i say no probably in a friendship or a relationship it wouldn't be between acquaintances what do you think well i was just going to give a simple work example like you might turn up to work actually really happy one day um some guy might be miserable doesn't actually like you too well and be like (laughs) do you know what it's annoying me that he's got a smile on his face I'm just going to make sure he has yeah. little problems all throughout the day that brings him down a notch because I can't stand that smile. <laughs> I think a lot of people will recognise that scenario yeah. at their workplace, yes. don't you think? Because we get jealous and envious of other mm. people's happiness because mm. we want it so much for ourselves. But instead of actually creating our own happiness, we look for other people to make it for us. Sure. Or if they've got it themselves, they're like, no, you can't mm. have it. I haven't got mine yet. Uh, yeah, that, there is a sense in which we have this resentment because we can't find what they have. So we, we think, well, how dare they find something that seems so simple because I can't find it. And that's probably where the resentment comes yeah. from. So I just wanted to add that yeah. in there. Oh, that was a good idea. Um, types of happiness right. is something that he pointed out. He said one is pleasure. Yes. So there's three types of happiness. This, I, I, I apologise. Three types of happiness. One is pleasure. Yeah. And he says it's the opposite to pain. Pleasure yeah. is the opposite to pain. Um, but he said um, pleasure is happiness of the senses. So it's what you what your senses are telling you mm. is um, making you feel happy. Mm. Okay. So, but it's different for everybody. We all are very individual in what makes us mm. happy. I mean, in uh, the senses. Would you would you say that um, pleasure tends to be temporary, doesn't it, Mike? It's not a sort of state that you're going to get into a lot of problems of addiction if you want to experience pleasure all the time. Well, like Heather said... That's where addiction comes yeah, in, isn't it? We know that. pleasures of the body, and in a sense, sure. the body's always temporary. So. Yeah. But I also sure. think you can be taking it in emotions. Visually, it can be pleasure, so it can be somewhere to be that you, you, you like the look of and you like being there, So because it gives you an emotional feeling. Mm. So, so that's pleasure. Number two, he said, is life satisfaction... But with life satis- a life satisfaction, it, it, it requires a stimulus. For instance, I'm happy because, for instance, I have the car I want. Mm. 
so there seems to be um, life satisfaction um, what if you if you um, suddenly found yourself um, owning a gorgeous house in the Mediterranean mm. um, so there are there's a stimulus to what gives you a sense of satisfaction so it's conditional yeah and I think it's like you know uh, being awarded the job or awarded the bonus or awarded the um the qualification that I mean, you've been see, aiming I mean, at i think life and there's a sense of satisfaction I, I think i'm not sure it might would agree with me life the sense of satisfaction you can get in a very positive way like you're saying if you yeah. work towards a qualification which you gain but again it can be where you you get it fleetingly from a material thing or from a person. So I think it's a double-edged sword satisfaction. Well, I have to admit, I'm, that number two one, like you said, double-edged sword, mm. the one thing I always find about it is in a materialistic world, we kind of like look for the new iPhone to make us happy or, sure. you know, I got that new tablet, the new car. Sure. The phrase new being the <laughs> best part about that because do you know what? As soon as that's over a year old, that item no longer gives you satisfaction like it used to. Mm. Um, and I've heard someone say about if you look for those um, those items to make you happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like um, stapling sandwiches to the outside of your body to fill up your hunger. Yes. Yeah. It, That's a very good metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like you say. It, it's like whatever makes you um, feel satisfied with your life you become so used to it doesn't raise that level of satisfaction anymore no. so you have to go on to the next thing mm. shall we say so it is transit transient addiction yeah. Yeah. well it's transient it mm. can it, it, it doesn't it never lasts no it doesn't last it's not necessarily addiction but it, that's how addiction can come it can be that you're going okay i've achieved that now uh what's the next thing to achieve because mm. uh I, I need to get into that satisfaction I mean, that's the, that is the negative aspect of people who are very driven and achieve a lot isn't it i mean that's the more yeah more... well you know it does make things happen in our world sometimes mm. when people are driven to achieve things mm. um but um uh anyway it is fleeting but it does give us periods of time so mm. that's the positive so side the of third it type the of... third one is joy mm. um and joy is just a state of being for mm. no reason mm. so this is back to the buddhist principle yeah. and also here as i think we spoke of before that he's saying that we are born with joy. Mm. I would almost see born with joy. I would almost say joy as being that childlike happiness. Mm. That's the one. Unconditional happiness. That's the one. Mm. Um, and he said we are actually born with it. So he feels that it's in our DNA. It's mm. actually part of our. Mm. It's about our biology. Mm. It's about all part of the configuration I of mean, our I... of our expression as a human being. And we show it when we're born, yeah. it just changes as time well, goes I mean, on. I would say from a more conspiratorial angle, Mike and I spoke about this on our episode where we spoke, we spoke about propaganda. It's once the child enters the schooling system and they begin to learn that they're not enough because they've got to pass tests. And, you know, they, Essentially, they get the joy being out of them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, they're, they're under pressure to prove themselves mm -hmm. rather than just they have to. We have itself. to learn that, yeah, we're yeah. not enough just as we are. And I, I would say mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. becomes about through the school, the school system. Obviously, you've got different Steiner schools which have a different approach. So I'm talking more of the mainstream type school. Mm -hmm. um, that's why some people have taken their kids out. Or I do know that. Yeah. yeah, but I do know. Um, okay, what he adds is. When you are experiencing joy, mm. 
um, you are unreasonably happy. Mm. Because he says, <laughs> just that joyfulness, you don't need a reason. You literally don't need a reason. But if you think we've gone all through these explanations, explaining reasons mm. and reasons not, mm. he's brought it down to go, well, if you are just experiencing the joy that's inherent in you, mm. You don't have any reason for that. You just are. You mm. just walk in. Then he said, what makes you so happy today? And you go, uh, nothing really. Mm. <laughs> nothing. Mm. I'm just feeling okay today. I, mean, I know from my um, own experience. He, he said, because it doesn't need a reason. Sure. I know from my own experience, I can't speak for you guys, but I kind of walk around with this mental note in my head of like a, a tick crib sheet of all the things that aren't quite how I want them in my life. And that's what that's what I walk around with. The reason yes. why I can't just experience kind of joy. Happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why why I can't just be happy for no good reason is yeah. one of the reasons. Well, Self accepting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why leave it home. Yeah, <laughs> de destroy the list. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, so the sort of thing that I would actually give people shamanically to start making models of or write that, and then then they transform it mm. so that it. it but you know, it's the first stage is uh, is recognizing it mm. and owning it, um, mm. and then you're on the road to transforming it. Yeah, I'd almost sure. say, why don't you do the opposite? Yeah, have a listen to your head and all the things that you can be happy yeah, for exactly. for that day. Hey, yeah. if you don't have anything on that list, it's blank. Yeah, it's better than having negative things on yeah. the list. Very true. Yeah, he says that um, now is a precious gift, mm. and that's what we miss. Mm. Um, but there, there is also a cliche in the alternative world that says that's why it's called the present. Hang on, there's a brilliant quote here. Um, it's in a film, um, Kung Fu Panda, where someone goes, one of the teachers goes, um, the past is history, the future is a mystery, um, but the present, um, the Keep going, Mike. We're listening. Oh, messing it up now. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm really into come on, I've listened to this. The future is a mystery. Um, so today is a gift, and that's why they call it the, the present. present. Yeah. And that's where this comes from. Yeah, yeah, yeah I knew you it. You your time, you get it. Well done. And that is true. If we are lagging and keeping our unhappiness because mm. of what's been happening in the past, mm. we've actually got our whole concentration in something that doesn't exist because mm. the past doesn't exist anymore. Mm. So we're dragging along, repeating, um, and we keep repeating mm. within our cellular makeup and our nervous system mm. something that happened in the past to keep it alive. Mm. So, and, and that's... All of us actually living in, in a space in the past that doesn't exist. Mm. Like we said, the future doesn't exist either. It hasn't happened yet. Mm. Um, so, and, and so all you can really, if you're really alive, you're in now and the present mm. in now. Mm. Um, and um, I just wanted to add right at the bottom here, and this is my little bit as well. Um, it's true to say nothing makes you happy. Mm. Nothing makes you happy. No, no thing, thing sure. makes you happy. No. It's a choice. Sure. We all have a choice. Sure. And call the happiness what you want it. Contentment, self-empowerment, joy, mm. um, enthusiasm, mm. good feel feelings, whatever you want to call it. Mm. It's a choice. Mm. No thing makes you happy. Mm. 
It's a choice that we make. Um, I wonder if we could round things up now, Heather, if that is, um, that seems like a very profound, profound point to, to end on. Uh, Mike, did you want to say something? No, no, I've... Sorted! I'm just... We, we, Blasking in the in the knowledge there. <laughs> in sure. the glow that we're blowing and not sucking, <laughs> exactly. shall I say? So oh once again, God. just to share with our listeners, if they would like to contact the show, please do visit our Facebook page, Discerning Consciousness. You can message us there, share any ideas you have for future shows, or if you'd like to comment on any of the shows, um, please do. We always um, welcome, welcome your involvement. Um, and... I wonder if Heather wants to share her contact details, if ever, if anyone wants to um, contact you, Heather. Well, um, heatherheaton.shamanka, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. S-H-A-M-A-N-K-A, mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Okay. Telephone is... Oh, um, I can't remember it. That's not a problem. <laughs> It'll be in the details of the description. Be the yeah, be in the details. Yeah. Um, but I do respond to texting pretty well. Um, mm. But yes, that um, email and texting is, is my favourite, put it that way. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us, Mike. Yeah, it's been a it's pleasure. It's been really, in your in contributions have been really interesting. Thank so you hopefully much. we can yeah. do it again in future. That would be yeah. fantastic. Don't um, stay away for so long next time. <laughs> Come back soon and do some more with and, us. And thank you, uh, Heather, for, for attending um, the talk, Robert Holden's talk, and uh, the exploration of his uh, perception of happiness. Um, I hope I hope I haven't um, said anything that he would be... I'm um, sure not. Um, disheartened I'm with. I'm sure he'd even laugh at the sucking I think he would be very, <laughs> I think he'd be very happy with all of it, actually, because he's a happy man. Excellent. Right, well, thank you all for tuning in again, and we're signing off now, so goodbye. <laughs>